Contrast uncut, yeah you know that's us Where we only speak the real and the real rock with us Where we motivate the people and the politic on success Oh no we ain't DJ Kelly, but they swear we the best Contrast uncut Contrast Uncut, Season 3, Episode 22. Man, big shout-outs to Uncle Snoop's Army and Bobby D Presents. I appreciate you, brothers. It's your host, Zylo, a.k.a. DJ Juan Dollars, like I won some money. Ladies and gentlemen, today we have a very, very dope special guest. I mean, he's a living legend out of Philly, a GOAT. I mean, one of the greatest of all time. Not just our time, all time. He has charted billboards. He's a real certified platinum selling artist, a trend-setting hit maker. He is the king of battle rap, the fact spitter. No one is better. The only rapper to body your top picks, the hustler himself, motivated everybody to be a hustler, homie. I'm talking about Cassidy, everybody. What's happening, brother? What's up with you, boy? Thanks for having me, man. Beautiful introduction, man. <laughs> salute, bro. Salute. It's nothing better than having the flash on here. You hear me? It ain't nothing like talking about you and you being there. I'm here, though. I'm here. How you feeling, man? Let's get to it. Man, shit. Out the way, bro. How everything been going for you? I know you've been working. I know you the most prepared person I know and heard of. <clears throat> yeah, I just, I'm just getting out the studio, man. I was in there last night, man, though. Eight new records. I'm always working, man. You know what amazes me about everything about your career is the fact that you're always hungry and humble. And you put the perspective of wanting it and putting it in their face and showing them like, you talk about it, but be about it. And then you be about it no matter what. Yeah, that's a that's an important part. And I think that's missing in a lot of artists. So um, the vets, the dudes that already got experience need to encourage the younger dudes to build that back up in these. So, Come on, come on. So brother, on that note, I got this quote. Let me know how it relates to you, or if it doesn't, it's all good. I just want you to talk about it. Let's get it. Wake up before everybody else and work into the night. Hustle, Gary V. Oh, these is lyric quotes? Nah, this is an actual quote. Okay. I'm gonna run it back again, cause you know, uh, Gary you want to know what I think about the quote? Or? How does it relate to you? Okay, okay. Say it one more time. Yeah. Wake up before everybody else and work into the night. Hustle. Gary V. Oh, that were, that relates to me a lot because I'm definitely a hustler. My work ethic is crazy. So I'm always up. I never really sleep. All my friends, all my family tell me that. Like, you can hit me any hour of the day and up grinding. So that relates to me a lot. I'm always up early, always working late, always hustling. It's crazy because I feel like if you was a basketball player or a football player, you'd be the first one in the gym and the last one to leave everything. For sure, for sure. And even with the CN, I would be one of them dudes that got God-given talent that's naturally nice that probably wouldn't have to be the last in the gym. You know what I mean? And still be on the team and still be putting up numbers even if I didn't. But I would be the dude that got the God-given talent and still the last in the gym. So it's like you putting that much work in, it's just hard for niggas to fuck with you. You know what I'm saying? And those was the dudes that is the best, like the LeBrons, that's super conditioned. So even though he old in age, he's still playing like, like there ain't nothing wrong with him. Like, you know what I'm saying? And all that is from being in perfect shape, always training, always going in and, and working on his body. You know what I mean? Michael Jordan, rest in peace, Kobe. You know what I mean? Floyd Mayweather, dudes that all always in shape, got God-given talent, but still go the extra mile. You know what I mean? And I feel like that's what dudes need to do in hip hop. But a lot of people feel like hip hop is a, the easy way out. They feel like it's like hitting a lottery. Like you could just put a little bit of work in and just get rich and all this success, but you don't gotta go hard. In every other profession, you got to grind. Even to be a doctor, you got to go through all these years of school. To be a lawyer, you got to go through all these years of school. To play ball, you got to go through all these years of school. Then go to college, then get drafted. To... In any other sport or any other thing, you got to go through a lot. But they think you could just write a couple raps, get a deal, and blow up. 
And I, I, I don't think that's the right way to look at the music business. Like, you know what I'm saying? I think people need to know that you gotta go just as hard as any other business to actually be a real impact and really be successful. But the industry been manipulating the masses by promoting some of the artists that's not lyrically talented and they not that dope. So people hear them and they like, yo, well, if he could do it, I could do it. But that's not the real way you should look at it because it's bigger than that. And um, sometimes the business, the reasons that the people want to make money overlap with the culture and they not the same. The culture and the real rules is not connected to the decisions people make to get money. And sometimes they overlap and people don't understand that as the normal fan. Come on, come on. And I mean, it's, it's actually bringing me to my next segment. And you know, it's, I'm talking about music because I feel like this shit happens deep down to everyone that does make it in the industry. Did the game choose you or did you choose the game? I chose the game. Um, but also the game chose me. It's like, um, it go both ways. I was born in the hip hop. My dad and my mom used to rap before I was born. So when they was together um, having sex to make me, they had bars and was writing rhymes and doing music together. Um, my dad actually got a chance to put records out. He um, got to host TV shows back in the day. He used to throw a lot of parties. He was actually successful at that time. So I was born in the rap, listening to rap. I love rap for as long as I can remember. Like I can't even remember being a baby, but far, far as back as I can remember, I love hip hop. So I was like born into it. But when I was in elementary school, because my mom, my dad, people around me rap, like I just was around it all the time. I was in an after school program. The teacher said, was going around like asking the students what they wanted to be when they grew up. And I was always good in school, always got straight A's, but I was, bad like I was like the class clown because I always knew all the information so there's nothing the teacher could throw at me that I didn't know so that gave me the opportunity to have fun because I was a little bored once you teach me something once I know it but you know the teachers might have to go over it several times for the rest of the students and I'll be bored so I'll be playing around so in the after school program I seen a lot of people responding with the normal answers like a doctor a lawyer a firefighter, like the normal stuff. So when the teacher got to me, she like, what you want to be when you grow up? I'm like, man, I'm going to be a rapper, man. I mean, I'm going to rap. I'm going to just do my thing. So mm. the teacher like, all right, well, if you're going to be a rapper, then write a rap about this fire prevention program. Come in here and let us hear the rap, and we'll let you know if you got a chance at being a rapper or not. Wow. So they just put me on the Yeah, they put me on the spot. So... That was the first time I wrote my rap. I went home that day and it was so much pressure on me. I wrote my first rap about fire prevention. Came back and said it to the class and they went crazy. I'm talking about real crazy. Like I was already a celebrity. Bunch of students was asking me questions about how I was able to do it. And I just felt the energy of being able to impress people with your words. At that time I was in elementary school. So I wasn't worrying about cars and jury and all that stuff. I just like the fact that I was able to impress the whole class with what I wrote down. I ain't need no money. I ain't had to do no tricks. I ain't had to do nothing. Like all I had to do was think about something, write it down and say it and everybody could be impressed. So once I felt that feeling, I said, I want to rap because I wanted to be the best. So I got in it for culture reasons. And as I grew in the culture, I learned that, oh, you could also make money and it could be a business too. So I started to learn later on in life and, and figured out ways to hustle and get bags in the business. But my main concern was the coaching and being the best. And that's why you see me making a lot of decisions I make. I never make decisions to be the best businessman or the, the biggest artist as far as how the industry go. I want to be in people's minds as the dopest, the nicest, the best at putting bars together that they ever heard. And I want even the people that rap not to be even able to dispute that. That's my goal. A lot of people don't got that same goal. They just want bags. So the things that they do uh, uh, might get them money, but it might not be good for the culture or for their brand. You know what I'm saying? So. You know, you put in that undeniable shit because no matter where you turn, where you put it at on the back burner, the front face priority or behind it, it's going to hit you no matter what, whenever you pick it up. 
And that's definitely the impression I've always felt from your music. And and when you, especially when you battle people, you punch people a word so smooth, they don't even know they've been violated until they think about it. Sure, for sure. Like, and you know, something else I want to bring up while we're talking about the game shows you, because you know, you're the first person I've had on the show that actually has an acronym for BAR to be in their name. And then it's amazing that your parents were making music and, and rapping because you know, it definitely puts the destiny of the destination of success of music and, and being a, a recording artist way beyond your 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 explanation. Cause I mean it was it was in you before you could even touch it. For sure, for sure. And then they named you with it like boom, bar. And then you know it flowed and then it continued to grow and grow. So my question to you is, you know, what was your confirmation that you know music is what you're supposed to be doing? outside of elementary, I'm talking about, you know, where you actually start getting paid for it and, and the love was there of like, man, this is what you need to do for the rest of your life, where we got Cassidy today. Um, well, in elementary school, when I impressed people that time, I knew I was going to do it for the rest of my life, but I didn't know I was going to get a bag from it. I mean, but I got my first record deal when I was 17 years old. So I started getting money early too, like before I even needed money. I ain't have kids or responsibilities. I ain't really have a lot of bills. And what I was grinding was to just help my mom and buy clothes and just do like, I mean, I ain't really, I wasn't really in the situation yet. And I was already getting bags from music. So um, I never, I just always felt like I was gonna be able to get money with rap. I felt like I was gonna always be better than everybody else. And if you better than everybody else, then you're gonna always be able to figure out a way to eat from it. So I never questioned that part, you know what I mean? I knew like once I figured out how to be the best, cause I was always, like even to, to today, I'm still trying to get better and better. I'm always trying to get better. So I just felt like if I kept doing that, then, um, you know, success as far as financial success was going to eventually come. It was not going to be able to be denied from you if you the best. If you spitting the best shit, then niggas going to be interested and that's how you're going to be able to generate money. So, uh, <laughs> I guess you could say I knew I was going to start rapping when I was in elementary school and I wrote that rap and I got my first deal when I was 17. So that was the first actual check that I seen to know that I could get bags from it for real, for real. Like, you know what I mean? Not but just yeah. Yeah, would, you say, would you say that first record deal was like the real confirmation or would you say it was another moment later on in your career would like you know what what was the like the the one thing was like man no this is this is like you know i feel like it's from god to tell me that this is all i'm supposed to be doing because um, i feel like bro monetary don't mean shit to you but like ever since i made the decision to want to rap like in elementary school, I'm telling you, like everything started coming together, but it's not like it all come together at once. So you make um, gradual growths. So like at that time, when I was like around 15, like, you know what I'm saying? Or like, you know, 14, 15, I started meeting people like around the city. People started to know I was um, rapping. My first manager was William Hart, the lead singer of the Delphonics. It's like a famous singing group, and he did a lot of writing for a lot of big other big groups. You know what I'm saying? But he taught me a lot about the business. Like he got robbed for his publishing early in his life when doing a lot of writing, and he wrote all of them songs, but got robbed early in his career. But later on in life, he was able to get all of the rights back, and that's when a lot of other groups started to sample his music, and he was able to get bags later on in life. But he taught me a lot about the business. I learned a lot from him. And that was the first time I was able to get um, recording experience because he had a studio in his house. So I was able to record with his son, rest in peace, Khalid is one of his sons. But he was like the producer that I used to be recording with and making music. So that was like, a, that was a big thing. Like he was a big star. He had a lot of accomplishments, big house studio. He was taking me on shows and on trips and other states and I was seeing stuff and he was teaching me. So that was like, a lot at that time, but that's what I needed at the time. Then when I was, um, I entered a radio competition called The Cypher. It was on the radio station 103.9 at the time. Zulu and the family had it, and is where people call up and they battle every night. So the first night I called up, I won. 
and I became the champion. Then I, I never lost. I started winning for for year, like forever. I just started winning. I started winning so much that they had to retire me and they made me a radio personality to judge other people battles. But that's how I got real popular in the city. Like even Beanie and you know, anybody that's from the city would tell you that they was fans and listening to it. But it was a radio show and social media wasn't big back then. So everybody knew my voice and how I sound and they knew my presence, but they didn't know how I look. So I was determined to go on a run around the city to actually battle people in person so they could put this name from the radio with the face. And that's when I went crazy, broad knowledge every day. I was up there for hours after school every day, just battling and people was putting the name with the face. And it wasn't too long after that, but for the deal came, like a lot of people started coming to the city looking for me. Um, I had a deals with several labels before I signed two Rough Riders. So it wasn't like the first situation that came across. It was like a lot of things that was coming, a lot of people that I was meeting. So it was like a lot of signs of God showing me that, that that was what I was supposed to do, even at an early age. Because I was meeting the right people and learning the right things to show me that I was going in the right direction. I feel like, bro, you was like going through like a college scout situation. Like you getting ready to get drafted and all these scouts was coming to hit you and say, no, come fuck with us. I got this for you. I got this for you. And, and you know what? I got to ask you, just because we talking about it. Well, what was the thing that Swiss B said to you that, that really made you comfortable to sign with his imprint and go with Rough Riders? Well, actually, um, I went with Rough Riders, but Swiss Beats at the time was just a producer on Rough Riders. Um, like, Swiss Beats wasn't as developed as he, as he is now when I first got signed to Rough Riders. So he was just a producer, but they had other producers like PK, P-Killer, um, Dame Grease. They had a lot of, uh, and, 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 and more, it was more of them. It was like a lot of producers that they had up there making hits at the time. So um, when I got signed, I was in a three-man group, Larceny Family. Shiz, Lansky, and Kyle Akbar was in a group with me. We got signed in a three-man group. We on Rough Riders, Ride Die Volume 2 and Volume 3. Um, we was on both of them volumes and they was putting us out to the world. And I was doing like a lot of mixed tape, uh, mix tapes and DVDs and shit like that back then. You know what I mean? But as I was signing the Rough Riders and doing a lot of battling and making songs and getting my name up, that's how I got a relationship with Swiss. He started seeing me bodying people and hearing my name all the time. So as he, as years passed and he started to grow and get bigger, he wanted his own production company and he wanted his own label, but he needed artists. So he started looking for artists and that's when he said he wanted me to represent, you know what I'm saying, what he was trying to start. But he wanted me as a solo artist, not in the three-man group that I was in. So, you know what I mean? That's why we had to talk it over with the group, my management. And my manager at the time was Swiss dad. His biological dad was my manager at the time. So that's how it probably pretty much all came together. And Swiss wanted me for his production company. His father was my manager. So that's when um, I separated from Rough Riders because I had a contract with Rough Riders. But being that I was partnering up with Swiss, that's how I was able to get out of that contract. And then I went and got um, an artist deal with J Records. So people think like, um, like Full Surface, the production company that I was on wasn't signed to J Records. So it wasn't like they had a label deal with J Records. I just had an artist deal with J Records, but Full Surface was my production company. So that's how it went like that. And that's how me and Swift started working and we made history and put out all of the songs that y'all know. Come on, come on. Wow, 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 wow. No, you done cracked the egg on something. I didn't even know that was uh, already open. Yeah. History, shit, you gave me a little bit of chills. Shit. So bro, what's some of the highs and lows for you throughout the career? So I know we went real detailed right now. And you know, uh, and we made history after that moment. So what was some more of the highs and lows for you? That's a difficult question. I don't really look at uh, points in life as highs and lows. I just look at everything as a necessity and, and need to happen in your life. 
So when I was going through certain things and I looked at it as lows at the time, like when you going through it, like when I was facing life without the possibility, they was trying to give me the death penalty or life without the possibility. I mean, I'm never coming home again. And when I was facing that, thinking I was never going to be able to see my son, my wife, my family, and I was never going to be able to pursue my career no more. And I mean, when I was face, facing that, it was difficult at the time. It seemed like a low, you know what I mean? But I realized the reason why the higher power put me through that and the adjustments that I made going through it was necessary. So I'm happy that it happened to me. You know what I mean? Even when I got in a nearly fatal accident, I had amnesia, lost my memory. They said I wasn't ever gonna be able to rap again. So to go through that, when you going through it, even when you wake up out the coma and you see your face, it's like hard to deal with. At that time, it seemed like a low, but you know how you overcame that and what you learned from it, how it strengthened you, how you was able to just develop so much from that happening and it was a necessity. And if I didn't go through that, I would have been a whole different person and I wouldn't have been the same man I am now. So I'm happy that those things happen. And sometimes the things that you think is high points, like when you go and throw them in the same lit, it seemed like, oh shit, like, yo, it's lit. Sometimes those be the things that lead to negative things happening or things that another person might think is negative things happen. You never know. Like, so I don't look at things as high and low points. I just look at everything as happening how it's supposed to happen and I just enjoy it all. You know what I mean? Life and just take it how it come and know that it's the reason why everything is happening and the higher power got a bigger plan and I might even be able to understand at the time. And all I gotta do is just keep it moving and do the best that I could do with whatever I'm dealing with. Put a whole new perspective, bro. You over here fucking the hell out of my brain right now with this whole perception because I'm like, man, when I ask that question, highs and lows, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm talking about, you know, what's the high you get out of performing, the reaction from the fans, and you know, what's some of the low points of just, you know, everyday life of dealing with being an artist. And you put some of the lowest of the real lows, and you actually made it seem like a. a the sun is putting a, a light to the shadow so that you can see all through the darkness to get through it, to get to the brighter day. Stop at work. Man. Especially when you're grown and you don't got nobody to, uh, like, you don't really got no parents or nobody to tell you what to do, how to move. You think you're grown, you're making your old decisions, but you might not be going in the right direction. So who gonna send you in the right direction? Nobody can really tell you what to do. So sometimes times things need to happen in your life to force you to make adjustments just cause of that thing happening. But that be the adjustment that you should have made anyway, but you would have never made it if that thing ain't happened. You know what I'm saying? So it really be a blessing. You really be praying for a certain um, place in life, but in order to get there, you gotta make a lot of adjustments and you're not aware of that. You just want to go from where you at now to what you praying for. But that, it don't work like that. You gotta go through a process to get there. You gotta make certain adjustments to even be prepared for the blessing that you're asking for. So you not making the right adjustments, you don't even, you're not even aware. So sometimes the higher power puts you through things that seem like the worst things in the world, because when you go through the worst things in the world, that's what make you make adjustments. If it don't seem worse, then you ain't gonna make, you like, fuck it, I got I can deal with it, I can pay that, that shit ain't nothing. But when it seemed like, oh shit, that's when you really start changing and adjusting. And that's what the higher power wants you to do. And once you understand that, then he'll bring you out of that and put you in a better place. Preach, bruh. Preach. Because, man, I go through that a lot myself, bruh. I ain't going to lie to you. Like, so much of it. Because, you know, I've, I've been active in the streets. And then, you know, the streets life will get catch up to you. Then you got to sit down. And he'd be like, all this other stuff I'm doing is had to sit down with me. And so, you know, as you reflect on it and you try to be active again, you know, God will send you another uh, another bird to slow your ass down again. Sure. And then you gotta make them choices. So, man, so deep. That's why certain people don't understand why you might see people that you know the higher power might not be interested in at the time, and everything seemed to be going right for them. And you're like, yo, why are they so blessed? But they might be in your eyes not that good of a person. But that's how it worked. Like, why would the higher power be putting them through things that make adjustments if they don't even got the right relationship with them? So sometimes it could seem like shit is right for them, but it's not really. 
You know what I mean? And sometimes it can seem like shit is bad for you, but it's really a blessing. You in the best place that you could be at the time. So that's how I look at life anyway, man. And I, I, I encourage other people to do the same. Come on. Like, it was like two months ago, I was talking with my partner. And my partner was like, you know, everything you wish for in high school, if you look back, you got it. All this other stuff you want is now extra. It's just it's just added bonus. And so, you know, you always gotta humble yourself to remember what you really wanted and what you had and stop thinking about tomorrow and sometimes spend a couple of seconds to reflect on what you got. Sure. So man, bro, I'm gonna keep on going deep and I don't know shit. Cause you know, I, I know if we was in person, bro, I'd smoke with you, man. I ain't gonna lie to you. It just backwards. Only thing that make you think you don't got what you need is manipulation. Other people telling you the place that you're supposed to be at. And you think you're supposed to be in a place and you're not there. So that make you feel like you don't got enough. But we all got enough, everything that we need. That's why the trees all outside, they not moving around or hustling or grinding to figure out how they need to survive. A lot of these trees probably was here before we was born and gonna be here like probably after we die, a lot of these trees and they still standing, they eating, they growing and they surviving. A lot of these animals and birds ain't trying to figure out how to get new jobs or, or worrying about the corona or going, like worrying about none of this shit people be worrying about and they still be able to survive. Facts. Most of the time people feel like they don't got enough to be manipulation, but the the higher power really give you everything you need. Come on, speak on it, speak on it. I mean, you know, through all of that, how how would you say that, you know, cause I, I feel like bro, all of that is preparedness. Every bit of that is preparedness in what you speak on. Not only is it a part of your life, you lived through it, but you seen it, you felt it, you touched it. And so something I've learned from a lot of stuff you do is, you know, you're always prepared. But a lot of stuff, what goes into the process of being prepared? Battle rapping, performing, making music. Bro, you just did eight tracks last night. I know my trying to really push out, can't do eight tracks in a year. It connects to what I said earlier. Like some people think this is the easy way out. They think that you could just write a couple raps and get rich. They not really understanding the real work it takes. Some people work at McDonald's making the least amount of money that you could possibly make. And they they still put in the eight hours a day. And that whole eight hours, they might get a little break, but anything other than that, they working or doing something. You know what I'm saying? And they got to work that whole day, maybe five, six days a week sometime. You know what I mean? To try to be able to survive or pay any type of bills and they still be struggling. And the majority of the population do that. But they think they gonna write a couple raps that don't even take no time and just get money. It's like in order to be successful, you're gonna have to put in a lot of time every day. So if you work eight hours a day and you a rapper, that's that's light. That's that's what everybody else do. The normal person work eight hours a day. You should be working 12, 16, 18 hours a day at least. Like, you know what I'm saying? And I ain't saying you gotta be writing that whole time, but you should be doing something that's gonna help your brand or better your craft. You should be thinking, you should be doing something, writing, going over your music, recording, making beats, um, contacting, answering messages, posting something, doing something, being creative, writing treatments, writing scripts, writing movies, uh, talking to stylists, talking to your graphic designers, doing something that revolves around your career. And you should be constantly putting in that time if you want to be successful. And that's how you be prepared no matter what comes, whether there's a battle, an opportunity, whatever presents itself, you're going to be ready. And a lot of people be praying and begging for a chance. Like, yo, I just need the right opportunity. But they don't be putting in enough work. And sometimes the opportunity come and they don't even realize that that was the opportunity because they wasn't prepared. You know what I'm saying? So if the opportunity come, you don't know when it's going to come. People want an opportunity to come and they want to set up the exact time when it comes. So they could prepare themselves for the opportunity to come when they prepare. You never know when it could come. It could come today, tomorrow, tonight, when you tired, when you sleepy, when you was just fighting, when you was just sick. You never know what's gonna happen when it's gonna come. You gotta still be prepared and ready to go and ready to take advantage of any opportunity that presents itself. And once the higher power see you like that, then he'll start 
allowing more opportunities to come because he know you're going to be able to take advantage of them. Some people be feeling like God not answering their prayers, but he like, why should I? If I do answer it, you're not even going to be prepared for it and you're going to miss the blessing. Come on. So I'd rather hold it back until you're more prepared or put you through troubles and difficulties so that you can change your life around to get prepared. Come on, I work. Now, Cassidy, I gotta ask this from your perspective. What's your definition of success? Um, accomplishing whatever your goal is, like whatever, whatever you see that you here for. Like everybody got different purposes. Everybody not here for the same reasons and to do the same thing. Whatever you feel your purpose is and your goal is, if you accomplish that, then you're successful. Okay. What kind of success comes with money? Like even before money existed, it was successful people. Even before people even thought about the money system, it was successful people. So I don't believe that money make you successful. You know what I'm saying? The information that you got and that you can share make you successful. That's what people spend money on. Information. That's the only thing that's important. Only reason why we spend money on these this computer that I'm doing this interview on you with. Only reason why I spent the money for this is because I myself don't know how to make this MacBook. Do these things I'm doing to talk to you visually. I don't know how to make this. I don't know how to do it. So I got to pay for this information. To get this iPhone to do all the things that it could do and be this convenient and I could talk to it and it got all these apps and all this stuff. I don't know how to do this. I, I need the information. I got to buy the information off somebody. So that's why I'm willing to pay for it. You know what I'm saying? Even with musicians, they got the information to be able to know how to sing a certain way or rap a certain way or dance a certain way that the average person know got. So that's why people pay to see that. You don't pay a doctor money just because he's a doctor. You pay him for the information. He got information to make you better and you don't have it yourself. If you had it yourself, why would you pay a doctor? If you knew if you knew what the doctor was going to tell you and you can get whatever that he was going to give you to make you better, why would you see a doctor? The only reason why you paying a doctor is for his information. You paying a lawyer because he got the information to get you free. If you had that own information, you could defend yourself and why would you pay a lawyer? But you lacking that information. Everybody don't got time to study every fucking thing. It's only a limited amount of time in life and you can only focus on what you focus on. So you can't study everything. Like, you know what I'm saying? Right. People can even study one thing, not even all the way mastered what they study. Like it could be a nigga that's been a lawyer for 60 years and still ain't probably fully mastered being a lawyer. Like, Doctors that have been doctors 60 years straight and still ain't fully master being a doctor. Like, you know what I'm saying? So how can you master being a doctor, a lawyer, a, a rapper, a singer, a dancer, a producer, a blogger? You can't just master doing everything. Like, you only focus on what you focus on. A master is 10,000 hours put in. That's an outlier. And so, you know, people don't have the ability to put 10,000 hours in in so many different areas. But, you know, you brought up something that was very important. And, you know, information is the wealth that's attracted. And, you know, from everything you do, you attract wealth. And it, it, it's in the record sales, it's in the battles, the sellout crowds and hours. Everything you do attracts wealth. And in the same sentence, we're talking about doctors, athletes, everybody else with the information. It's the same thing as wealth that we're paying for. Sure. And so, you know, my question is about you attracting wealth is, you know, what, what ingredients do you feel comfortable giving out that's in the sauce that, that, that attracts all the wealth? Exactly what I just said, alert. <laughs> Learn what it is you here for, what your purpose is, because everybody's is different. And once you learn that, just dedicate as much time as you can to pursuing that. Don't kick your feet up, don't take it easy. Just, you never know if you're gonna live one more year or 101 more years. But no matter what it is, you wanna dedicate as much time that you can to what you're trying to accomplish. And I mean, don't take no time off. Just really know that the higher power put you here for a reason. And you wanna to try to accomplish as much as you can while you're here until you go to the next level to accomplish something else or something different. So that's all I can say. Like a lot of people that's trying to get in the music business only focus on rapping, dancing, and singing, and never focus on learning the business at all. 
And that's the reason why a lot of them not successful in the, in the business, or if they is, they gotta give their success to a lot of other people. A lot of other people reap the benefits of these artists' success, because they don't fully understand the business. So I say like, if you, if you wanna be in it for the culture, then be in it for the culture. If you wanna be in it for the business, be in it for the business. But if you're gonna be in it for the business just to make bags, then you need to fully understand the business. You don't want people telling you the business, a manager, a lawyer, and everybody else telling you what to do and how to do it and how it go. Cause how you gonna win like that? That means you're gonna have to trust a bunch of people in the most shystiest business in the world. That's not the right way to go about it. You need to know the business on your own so nobody don't gotta tell you nothing. You know what I mean? So that's my main thing that I could tell anybody. And that's any business, even if you wanna go to the NBA. Don't just focus on how to dribble and shoot. That's You gotta focus on that, but also focus on the business side. Like if you a businessman and you wanna survive the rest of your life off the money that you get from playing basketball and learn the business so you can make the best decisions possible. See, I say knowledge is power, but when you use that knowledge, it's your superpower. And you know, you're giving a lot of people the ability to access their superpowers by tapping into their gifts and really wanting something and doing something about it. I always, I say this shit too, I don't know where I got it from, but you know, everybody wants to be real until some real shit happens. And you know, as, as you see in some of these battles you've been a part in, you got people looking like gang goofy than a motherfucker, you know, that, that definitely hit the impression on their face that they weren't prepared. Sure. And, um, I just did a record like that, like even with the um, definition of being tough or being real, sometimes that's a manipulation, right? Because some dudes from the street that think like a nigga that's always willing to fight and a shooter and all that is like a real nigga. Like that's a real nigga, right? And that nigga might get busy. He might fight anybody. He might shoot some niggas up. Like, you know what I mean? He might be that type of nigga. Then they got a nigga that won't fight nobody and won't shoot a nigga up and they'd call him a fake nigga or a pussy or whatever. But this same fake nigga and pussy might just be different. So he might not fight or shoot a nigga in the street, but you might put him in the military and where he feel as though it's the right thing to do. And he might be going crazy. You might got to pull this nigga off the battlefield. He killing the most people in the, in the, in the craziest situations. You know what I'm saying? Might even got a leg off and still shooting and fighting. You know what I'm saying? Showing that he got the most heart possible. But that was the same nigga that you throw was pussy from the street. Another example, some niggas be like real killers. Like I'm talking about them seeing wild niggas dead but scared of spiders. And it's like, yo, my nigga, you a big ass killer and you scared of spiders though. You know what I mean? But the same nigga that you call a pussy that won't fight to kill nobody, a uh, fucking sleep with spiders all over his body. You know, I don't even give a fuck. Some niggas are jumping a swamp full of alligators and rescue a kid or something like that. They would never fight or shoot nobody, but they are jumping a swamp full of alligators, kick the alligator, grab the kid, save the kid life. But that same nigga that carry choppers and shoot niggas that never jump in that fucking alligator pit. You know what I'm saying? So what is the real definition of being real or being tough? It's all like the perspective you're looking at it from. And everybody got fears in them and everybody got things that they, you could consider toughness in them, you know what I'm saying? It's just all like, how about how you look at that, your upbringing, your beliefs, how you was raised, the genetics, the genes in you, that all determines like where you tough at and where you fearful at, you know what I'm saying? Facts. Bruh, uh, I'm gonna go ahead and put a pause on the music and, and the whole topic there, cause I wanna get into a couple more of my segments. Uh, I got this awareness segment, and you know, I definitely want your, your perception on it. And I'm talking about police interaction. And you know, I'm talking about when, when uh, the red and blue lights hit, that high beam hits the back of your neck and search for everybody in the car and the blurp sounds hits and we getting pulled over. So I asked all my guests, when was the last time they were pulled over and what's some advice they can get to a youngster that doesn't know what to do in a situation? Um, I got pulled over, you know, I'm I'm a little old than age, so I got pulled over so many times in my life, I can't even remember the last time, like, you know what I'm saying? And there's no real advice that you could give a youngster because every situation is different. Like, you know, the cops, there's even different forms of cops. There's even different forms of cops that's even possibly can pull you over. Different ages, different upbringings, they all got different tempers, different 
like energy. So it's not gonna all be the same. You could tell somebody a strategy and it might work for 80% of the cops, but it might be still that 20% that it'd be worse for. So it's no real strategy. You just gotta, you know, try to play it the best, best way possible, the same way you play the streets, same way you play life. Like you gotta just try to make the best decision possible at that time. You gotta weigh out the personality of the police. You know what I'm saying? And it is what it is. It's impossible to figure out police, just like it's impossible to figure out street niggas, because every street nigga ain't the same. Like can figure out one or two of them, but that don't mean you're gonna figure them all out in the world because everybody mind state and mentality not the same. Like, you know what I'm saying? So it's the same way with police. They regular people, they ain't robots. You know what I mean? So they don't all think the same and they don't got the all they ain't all got the same purposes for being a cop. So that's that's a hard question to um answer. And there's gonna always be police police brutality because that's what they set up to be to do. You know what I'm saying? The people that made them set them up to be that way and to do a certain job and they got a job to do. That's what they hired and get paid to do. So you can't complain, but you gotta just realize where they getting paid from, where they getting their money from, and who even set up for it to be cops. People always think they gotta fall in line from the cops, but it was a it was people that got in power that set it up to be cops. And and every other thing that we got, the FBI, the CIA, it was people that set it up for them to be in place. So how did people get empowered to be able to set up these organizations to be able to run? That's what people need to be trying to figure out. You know what I'm saying? Not trying to figure out how you could play the games of a company that already exists. Just figure out how you can get your own companies and your own shit started. And then you'll have more say-so over it if you run it. Trying to get um, something to change in somebody else's company. These private owned, these is private owned companies. Like, you know what I'm saying? Everybody know. They be thinking like it's like the government. They you think it's like um like royalty or something. You think it's just all the same, like in the government, but these like private companies that that just was started for a reason. You know what I'm saying? No, facts, facts. And then shit, our damn taxes pay for their salary and they gotta negotiate our money to how much taxes they take out of our dollar. It's just crazy how they, you know, it's private security, but a, 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 a company that's represented called the government is collecting the money for them and paying their ass. But no, I appreciate you for shedding the light. And you know, a lot of them get paid off property tax. That's why when you're in the neighborhoods where the property is more expensive and the property tax is more expensive, that's why you don't really see as many problems in those neighborhoods. And the property tax is low. People don't even own the property. People renting out. So they not really, they not oppressing the people that own the property there, not the landlords and the people that own the buildings. They oppressing the people that live there because they know they don't own the property. So you can't really fuck with their salary because you don't own no property and they getting their salary of property tax. But that's why like the store owners or the people that own a lot of property, that's why they don't really go through the same problems with these police officers. So people need to start figuring it out, like how the shit work and getting themselves in better positions and then you won't really have to deal with it as much. Come on, come on. Bruh, I'm gonna go ahead and put a pause on the serious segment because I know you got a lot more to weigh in on this and I definitely want to say some room for other people to ask you that same question. And you know, I got this next thing called trading places. And you know, the whole idea is one to have fun and think some crazy shit if two people traded places and we talk about it. And question number one is, you know, what would life be or will it work? And question number two is what would life be like if they traded places? The two people I got for you is Will Smith is trading places with Steve Kerr. Will Smith trade places with Steve Kerr. Yeah, question number one is, will it work? Can you see Steve Kerr doing everything that Will Smith has done? And can you see Will Smith doing everything that Steve Kerr has done? No. <laughs> I can't see that working at, at all. For one, um, Steve Kerr is white and Will Smith is black. So even that age, two or three years old, it was just a separation in the way they think and feel and what they had to deal with. So that's already make them capable of doing different things at a baby age. 
You know what I'm saying? Plus, Steve Kerr played basketball. Will Smith started off rapping and then got into acting and, you know what I mean? Like, part of comedy and shit like that. So it's like, I can't see it working. You know what I'm saying? I can't see Steve Kerr entertaining the crowd that Will Smith got famous from. And I can't see Will Smith actually going out there and playing them positions and then coaching and doing the things that Steve Kerr do with the personality that he got. I don't think that's what he was made to do. So I don't ever think that that, that would work. I mean, maybe somebody closer to doing similar things where I feel like they can handle the responsibility of the other person better. But those two, they so different that I don't think that would work at all. Nah, it's good, bro. That's the whole point of the segment is one to take two different people you wouldn't think work and try to think if it would. And most people say, if you wanted wanted me to figure out a way that it could work, um, I mean, maybe you could try to make it work for like a day. You know what I'm saying? For a limited time, like they could limp, like a limited period of time, make them try to handle one of the responsibilities of the other. You might could try to figure out, like, I mean, one of the things that Steve Kerr do, Will Smith might be able to do. And maybe one of the things that Will Smith do, Steve Kerr might be able to do. So for a limited amount of time, they might be able to swap, but not permanently. I feel you, I feel you. Nah, bro, I appreciate that. You know, Will Smith be doing a bunch of stuff now, like jumping out of planes and doing all this adventurous stuff. So a lot of that stuff Steve Kerr might be into and might could take his place and do that for a day. You know what I mean? I don't know Will Smith's history with basketball or how much information or how much of a fan he is, but maybe he do might got enough new plays and enough new ideas that might can win one game. But I don't think he got enough experience and history to just permanently take Steve Kerr's place. You know what I'm saying? So that's a good question, though. I mean, especially like a little jail question, niggas bored or something to talk about, try to make niggas swap. And man, some shit is a good little question. You already know. You already know. Shit. Uh, bruh, I got to make sure I take the time right now, buddy. You know, take off my hat, give you some roses, man. And, and for being a dedicated father. And, you know, definitely, bruh, being someone to look up to. Because no matter what, bruh, you still handle yours. Salute, thank you, man. My my oldest son is gonna be um you're gonna be well if you ain't hear about him already, you're gonna be hearing about him real soon. He one of the youngest, hottest producers in the world, man. He got a click, he got a team, he's scoring a lot of records, he's making a lot of noise, cash go crazy. You know, he's younger though, he only 16, so that SoundCloud wave, the whole all the things the young boys know, and he got that on Smash, yo. No, that's dope. Oh, he just produced a record called Tomato Soup. It's a big, what's her name? Belize? Yeah, a, a, a girl named Belize. He got a record out called Tomato Soup. It's a big record. He produced that, so everybody go check it out. Hell yeah, run them up, everybody. Tomato Soup, Belize. That's dope, bro. That's dope. So you got your in-house producer with the same genetics. Crazy. Animal. He actually in the other room banging out now, man. I hear him. I hear it. <laughs> man nah bro I appreciate that man that's dope bro I got this next thing called impulse Q&A and uh, the whole point of this is impulse questions impulse answers they're questions on cards and uh, they're like a fan perspective you know you gotta answer three questions you can pass the question if you don't like it but at the end you just gotta answer three alright ready question number one if you could only eat one food for the rest of your life, what would it be? Chicken. Mm. Baked, fried, chopped up, baked chicken. Oh, man, I, thought, I thought you could do it anyway. Now, if you gotta have it a certain way, then I don't know about chicken. <laughs> I thought you meant like, I mean, I thought I could. Uh-huh. I was you know, curious about this chicken. Barbecue chicken, baked chicken, stewed chicken, you know what I'm saying? I could have chicken nuggets, you know what I mean? I could have a chicken sausage. I could have all these, like, you know I mean? Different ways I could do chicken. I know yeah. I like chicken in a lot of different ways, so that's why I picked that. But if you only got to have it one way, like just fried chicken, nah, I couldn't, I wouldn't do it like that. 
Oh, okay, okay. Um, no, I'm just curious to see what would be your favorite. If I can have it anyway, chicken. But if I just had to pick like one thing, like just, just forever, I mean, nothing else. I can't, man. Just too much. Right, it's good. It's good. Chicken's good enough. <laughs> Question number two. What's the worst pickup line you ever heard or dished out? I don't even remember, man. It's been so long since I even heard pickup lines or even been in that bag. Like I've been with my wife for 20 years. Like I don't even remember no pickup lines or nothing like that. I do remember how she picked me up. We was on the movie set, Brown Sugar. I don't know if you've seen that movie, but yeah. with Eight Digs, uh, um, Sanaa Lathan. Yeah, then yeah, and uh, Queen Latifah, a bunch of people. But we actually was in that movie, but we was just like extras. Like, you know what I mean? Like actually when they, couple scenes, when they coming out the club, like you see the people outside the club, that was me and her. That was the first day we met at that movie set. And after the set was over, we was about to walk back and she was like, um, anybody ever tell you, you look like Omar Epps? And I'm like, what? I'm like, I'm like, why? You think he cute? And she was like, mm, yeah, he cute, but he look better. So when she said that, I knew that was like a pickup line and she liked me. And I'm like, oh, I look better, right. So then <laughs> from there, it led to us being married until now, two kids all together. So it was like corny, but it was like dope at the same time. But it's not corny, it was dope. It's like a classic, but that's the only one I can remember. So I just gave you that. And you uh, I was that. a gym. I was a gym, wow. What's the most awkward thing that happens to you on a regular basis? Question number three. Um, I wouldn't say it's awkward, but what happened to me on a regular basis is, um, you know, fans or people might notice me, but try to act like they don't know is you. Like, you know what I mean? Try to act you like, are you you? When they know you, you're like, yo, yo, you Cassidy, right? Like, yo, you rap, right? Like, like they don't know when they really know just so you could say something back. That happens a lot. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like a lot of people don't got the courage to just be like, yo, Cass, what's up? Yo, I fuck with you. Oh shit, yo, Cass, let me cut it. Like just go right out and say it. Like everybody don't got, I guess it might got to do with your sign or your upbringing or whatever. But you got some people that once they see you, they be right away just like that. Like, oh shit, Cash, yo, I've been fucking loving your shit. Yo, let me get a picture. Or they might not be that much of a fan. They'd be like, yo, Cash, what up? Just say what's up like that. But then some people know as you from the beginning, but then act like now, see you looking out the side of the aisle, be like, and then try to act like they shot. Oh, yo, you, you Cash, right? You, you rap? Like, like or ask you something like that when they know already. Come on. That happened a lot. <laughs> Brad, you survived uh, my impulse Q and A segment, and I guess that's how I'll be carrying, I guess that's how I guess that's how I'll be carrying it. Sometimes, sometimes I'll be in situations and I don't be like heavy with a bunch of security and the whole team and making a scene like I am a rapper. So sometimes I'll be just walking around like I'm a regular nigga. So maybe that's the reason why I might get it more than I should, but. But ain't nothing wrong with it. Ain't nothing wrong with it. Uh, bro, what are you most excited for coming up? I know you uh, you got projects. I'm, bro, you one of the hardest working individuals in the industry, period. So I definitely want to know what do you feel like you're excited for coming up? Bars is back. My next project. It's going to be the best project I ever did, man. I'm so excited with these records. Just the direction that I'm in. It's the next. It's the next wave of hip hop. Is where hip hop need to go. I'm just proud of this project, man. That's all I'm focusing on. These records is phenomenal, and you know they got the versus battles going on now with dudes, you know, doing 20 songs against 20 songs or the classic hits. Well, I'm ready to go 20 songs versus anybody with songs that I did in 2020. These new shits I got, I'm ready to put these against anybody. Not my old shit, everybody know I got. Talking about these new shits I got, you know what I mean? So I'm just happy about 
these new records I got, um, the merchandise that I'm bringing to the table is, is successful, it's doing good, it's selling a lot. I appreciate all the support. Go to my webpage, it's www.cassidythehustler.com. That's D-A-H-U-S-T-L-A, CassidyTheHustler.com. All my merchandise, snapbacks, dad hats, t-shirts, hoodies, jackets, sweatsuits. We even got the corona mask. You know what I mean? We got everything you need on the site. So I want everybody to go check that out. We deliver all around the world. So you can order anywhere you at and we can get the merchandise. Crazy. Man, I was for sure trying to cop me some of that goat gear. Yeah, for sure. It's super dope, man. Appreciate the support. So everybody that's listening, go tune into the website, go check out the merchandise, and it got my videos and keep you in tune with everything that I got coming up and that I'm done. And then, you know, social media is a good way to keep in contact with what I got going on. And I'm always releasing new music on my um, Instagram, letting people know what I got going on. I got a lot of unreleased music that I'll be giving people little sneak previews of on my Instagram. So people need to log on to my social media, stay in tune, because it'd be a wave up there. Yeah, hey, and bro really do be on his social media. He be checking stories and everything. It's dope to see when cats can fuck with you. I'm just saying. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, bro, before I close out, I got to ask this, you know, uh, what's the process for you to make making songs, making music? Before you, what's the process like? Um, there's no, I don't, um, got a, uh, process that I take all the time. It just depends on the situation. And I mean, I, I, I do it all different ways, man. Sometimes I just write songs in, in different situations, no music. Sometimes I write them the music. Sometimes I make the beat first, then write the song. Sometimes I write the song, then make the beat to it. Sometimes I use different producers. Sometimes I make the beat myself. Sometimes I write Sometimes I might type it in my phone. Sometimes I might type it in my computer. Sometimes I might just don't write at all and just, I mean, just do it like that. Go off the top or remember it in my head. Sometimes I go in the booth and might go two to four bars at a time and just write it like that. Every system that a rapper used, I didn't use before. I didn't did it in all different situations. It's like, it just depends on how I feel that day. Really? Sometimes it might come to you, it might be the type of flow where it's more like a feel flow. And it's all about the energy and the feel. Sometimes I don't need to write that. It's not too difficult. It's like easier for me to remember. So I could just go in there and do it. But you know, I'm like a bar dude. So sometimes I be just scheming and so complicated and taking it to so many different levels. I got to write that down. So it just depends on the situation, what I'm doing, what I'm going through. Like if I'm doing a hook or something, like I might not gotta write a hook now. I mean, it might be an eight bar hook, 12 bar hook, or it might be two eight bar, two different hooks. To think of hooks, I don't gotta write it down. I could just go in there and do it. It just depends on the situation. Mm. Now that's incredible, that's gifted. He said I can- one thing I, do when I encourage, One thing I still do when I encourage every artist to do is still write. Like a lot of dudes with this new technology, with their phones, I see a lot of artists just, typing in their phones and then it got the um the spell correct and it's like it's spelling the stuff for you and it's typing it for you some people even use the audio and just say it and let it write it down for them like that's cool it's like i mean there's advantages to doing using technology but at the end of the day you still need to write just like i encourage people to still read like just take your mind to a different place than just watching a movie and so will writing. It'll just take what, what you able to do and capable of to a different place than if you just typing it or not even writing at all, just freestyling. Uh, mm. Man, everybody, make sure you listen to him because he ain't lying. Something I've learned from writing that helps you memorize it. And if you're talking into your phone, you ain't gonna memorize it like that. That's the reason why even in school, when, they, when you're about to have a spelling test or something like that, they'll give you like, Go write this word five times or write this word 10 times in a row. And you might not understand. You might think it's like a punishment or something. But they know when you when you write it that many times, it's how you're going to have to say it while you're writing it. You're going to have to think about how you're spelling it while you're writing it. And that's how you log it into your memory. Come on. Come on. 
Bruh, uh, if you notice, this show's a little unique, but at the same time, we try to ask some of the questions, but never ask it the same way. We try to be different. And so I'm like, man, how do I close out my show and remain different and keep that same energy? And you know, my, my guest and, and all my listeners know that this is about to hit you. And I hit you with this question of, uh, you got any questions for me? Do I got any questions for you? Um, Caught you the fuck off guard, good. I got a question for you. How do you get the 55 cent using two coins? But one of the coins can't be a nickel. How do you get to 55 cents with two coins and one of them can't be a nickel? Yeah. Um, this really reminds me of some hmm. Hey. This really reminds me of some tribe called Quest. Well, I definitely I'm like the wrong person for you to say, do you got a question for me? Because I asked you some shit like that that'll throw the whole shit off. How you thinking? And that was just like an easy one. I thought you was probably gonna get this one, but I got some more questions I could have asked you. You'd be sitting here forever trying to like figure these joints out. Cause I'm like, bro, you can have a half a dollar coin, but you said no nickels. So ain't nothing else getting close. You can do a quarter, but you need two dimes. There ain't no 20 cent coin. So it's like, how the hell are you gonna get the 55? I quickly thought about it all. I got ADHD. My parents told me to sit the fuck down. They didn't give me no medicine. Sure. You're a thinker, but you know what I'm saying? Sometimes with those things, before we move on, that's just like really just, you know what I mean? Really wordplay. Sometimes people manipulate you with words. You think you hear something a certain way, but the way they say it and set it up, it throw you off. So I said, how can you get the 55 cent using two coins, but one of the coins can't be a nickel? So you will automatically think like, yo, I can't use a nickel. The first thing you think with 55 cent is a 50 cent piece and a nickel. But once I say one of the coins can't be a nickel, you automatically think that you can't use a nickel. But you using a 50 cent piece and a nickel. So one of the coins is not a nickel. One of the coins is a 50 cent piece. The other coin is a nickel. So you can still use a 50 cent piece and a nickel. But I just threw you off with that wordplay and made you think that you couldn't even use what you already know that you can use. So you, if I would have offered you a million dollars to answer that question, you knew it the split second I said it. You knew 50 cent piece in the nickel. But the wordplay threw you off and made you even question what you knew yourself because of the way I said it. Like, you know what I'm saying? Man, got me embarrassed on my own goddamn show. Ain't that about a bitch? <laughs> oh, shit. He said, I done lost a million dollars, everybody. It's all good. I track wealth. It'll come back. <laughs> but I for sure know how to answer that question when it comes back again, damn it. That's the cold part about life is it's going to come back. And sometimes some some shit be so deep, you be so focused on trying to answer the question that you think you got to go so deep that you don't just listen to the actual words that's right there. Like you just think that you got to think so deeper that you don't really listen to what's really there. Like so sometimes we got to focus on that. It's Contrast Uncut, season three, episode 21. Big shout outs to Uncle Snoop's Army and Bobby D Presents. I appreciate you, brothers. Big shout outs to MJ, the publicist, and the Hip Hop Connection. I'm telling you, with that connection, I wouldn't be able to do dope shit like interview one of my favorite rappers of all time, Cassidy. I appreciate you, brother. Man, you definitely left an impression on me. And you put me up on some intelligent game, not just, you know, some of that industry talk, but some real stuff to take home and feed the family with. I appreciate you. Salute. Keep doing your thing, bro. Till the next time you meet me, get in contact with us, man. Reach back out. You gotta do this again, man. Keep growing, keep growing. Keep building up your fan base. Keep doing your thing, man. Salute. I appreciate that, brother. Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This Cassidy. Shout out to Bobby D. Shout out to Snoop, a legend. That's my boy. Held me down early in my career. Can't deny it. Show him the respect he deserved, man. 
you already know how we giving it up, man. We on contracts uncut, man. You already know how they doing it. Show them the respect they deserve. They've been holding it down forever. Stay tuned and keep supporting them, man. You heard about the hustle. That's a public enemy. They see me coming up. I be first, I'm going flip most squad, bust a bust. Feel like pocket, keep your head up. Biggie shooting juicy. Coach is still alive, just let me prove. King, nigga. Man, I know you guys can't smell this right now, and I ain't talking about none of that other stuff. I'm talking about some of that good stuff, that smell good stuff. I think it's breakfast. What time is it? It's breakfast time. Make sure you tune in to Contrast Uncut no matter what you're doing. Whether you're eating breakfast, you're smelling good food like I'm smelling, or if you're smelling other stuff, we're good to watch too. Make sure you tune in. Thank you.